Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Let me rebuttal that one second, Coach, before you just – if there's a guy that can hold his team accountable and wants to be great, it is Patrick Mahomes. And I don't think they're just going to be sitting back, you know, sipping on pina coladas or anything like that. I think they're still going to take this very serious. It's a Friday edition of PFT Live. And, you know, it's been a short week, and Chris is working on a Friday. How dare so they do this? to have fun with him on a Friday. Chris, we just did this the other day. Okay. We took, like – a minute out of everyone's life to explain it's not Pina, it's Pina, just like it's not Anthony Munnis, it's Anthony Munoz. I, I we know. We just did this. But, uh, you know, on national TV with 7 million people <laughs> watching, that wasn't the time I was going to try to throw out that word like that. <laughs> I was a little scared of what might come out, so I just went with the white version of the word, all right? And I just said it that way. <laughs> but did, wait, did, did you actually process? I did, totally. neurons and synapses, the possibility of trying to say pina? I did, I as I was getting, because I knew he was going to re, re, rebuttal me on this a little, because I heard him say, like, oh, he's cra- you're crazy, Chris, you're crazy. So I knew it was coming, and I, I had a good idea I was going to rebuttal with that, and I was thinking of our conversation on the show but I just went, man, with that word and that enunciation, let me just say it the way I've always said it. <laughs> I'd like you to say into the camera right now, I regularly drink pina coladas. <laughs> I regularly drink pina, <laughs> pina coladas. I don't know what it is about regularly today. I can't get it out of my mouth. I don't know what it is. Uh, it's uh, it's Friday and the football season is back and we're, you know, I, I don't know what's an appropriate way to feel. It's the 19th anniversary of 9-11. So I have that Ugh. memory of the horror. Horrible we day. Yeah. And 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 we're dealing with a pandemic and our country is as fractured and divided as it's ever been. And there are bad things looming politically and from a societal standpoint and and football's back. 
And we have to live our lives and we have to try to be hopeful and we have to try to find the good and the things that make us happy and the things that can at least get us away from everything else for a little bit. And that's what we're trying to do here on this show. And now we have something to actually tangibly base that on. We spent a lot of time talking about the Texans-Chiefs game to start the season, game number one of 256. We've got 15 more to come over the course of the next few days. And what we're going to do, Chris, we're going to focus on the Sunday games from week one that that involve new quarterbacks. We're going to go over all the Sunday games over the course of the remainder of the program. But for now, instead of going 1 o'clock, 4 o'clock, been there, done that. Yeah, right. We're going to go the games with new quarterbacks on new teams because, as we saw last night, there's something to be said for continuity, which means that if you don't have continuity, you may have a problem. And let's begin with the most anticipated game, I would say, of the day, yeah, of the afternoon, week one. Uh, it's the guy on the left, Tom Brady, shedding the Patriots uniform, playing for the Buccaneers, and showing up in New Orleans to take on the Saints, one of the best rivalries in football. All of a sudden, Tom Brady is dropped into the middle of it. You could argue this rivalry, yeah. from a divisional standpoint, more intense than any rivalry he had with any of the other three teams in the AFC East because none of them could even make it a rivalry. No, you're right. I mean, he's kind of leading the charge to make this a rivalry, right? I mean, really, to go like, hey, we can compete with you, Saints. You're not going to just, you know, dominate the NFC South here every year. So I, I'm I'm extremely excited to see this. Come on, the new look Bucks, uh, Tom Brady in a new uniform, Gronk being out there, the weapons, the Bruce Arians offense. I mean, it's all going to be really cool. Do I feel like we're a little bit like disrespecting the football gods and just thinking that, whoa, this brand new team with all these new parts and everything like this, they're just going to come out and hit the ground running and be flying? Yeah, I do think we are a little bit. I think they will hit some bumps in the road. I don't, you know, this this Saints team, as you know, and I think we're both, it's one of the better built teams in all of football. You know, I think other than the Ravens, you could argue this might be the best roster in football, or at least in that conversation. So, and they've played together. Uh, I don't expect Tampa Bay to go into New Orleans and win this football game, not on week one. Maybe they'll be ready for this, you know, a little later down the road, but not yet. Yeah, I look, I, I don't expect the Buccaneers to win this game, even though I have the Buccaneers as my NFC Super Bowl uh, representative. Th- th- look, this is a divisional game away from home. If they were at home, it would be different. They got to go to New Orleans. They got to go there at some point anyway. This is the week they drew it. And yeah, it would be better for the Bucs to get a tough opponent later in the year. And I think it's going to be a factor. The Saints have the continuity. The Buccaneers don't. And if what we saw last night is any indication right. of what's to come, the team that's bringing back most of its players, yep. its coaching staff, its starting quarterback, and didn't have to go through the transition and the adjustment is going to be in a better position to do what they want to do because this is the first chance to do anything right. in a setting where you've got guys in different uniforms out there on the field. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, in these type of advantage, you know, again, it, it goes something we talked about all week. In this, this type of scenario, the Saints clearly have the advantage to me. You know, I would just have a hard time thinking how could they not be farther along in their playbook and where they are with schematics than Tampa Bay, right? I mean, this is a team that really, you're just infusing Emmanuel Sanders on the offensive side of the ball. That's the only really new part. Everything else is pretty much the same. So, you know, you'll be able to build off and go, hey, remember what we did in January and late December? You know, hey, we're going to do that and infuse it in the offense right now. You know, we're going to you know skip a few pages of the playbook, whatever that is. I, I just... 
I, I think the Saints, we know they're a motivated football team. They got it all. And, yeah, I would think they're farther down the playbook, both on the offense and defensive side of the ball, with what they can do and feeling confident in executing it consistently. And I predict that at some point before Saturday night, the Saints and Alvin Kamara will have a new deal in place, which will kind of give a little psychological lift. Yeah, That's it will. one less thing to worry about for the Saints. And, and you've got Kamara under contract for what I believe will be a total of six years this season and five more beyond it. And I think that will help. And I think at this point, there's a little Sean Payton flair for the dramatic. We're so close to Sunday. Why not have that contract finished and announced at a time when it maybe gives you a little kick in the butt, a little, a, a little boost, a little thing that, that if the Buccaneers are thinking maybe there's some rancor, maybe there's some issue, maybe there's something not right with Kamara and the Saints, that all goes away on Saturday night as the Buccaneers are getting ready to come into the Superdome. And Mike Evans, yeah, that's the right. star receiver of the Buccaneers, didn't practice Wednesday, didn't practice Thursday with a hamstring injury. Chris, that is a factor in this one. Oh, without a doubt. Huge factor. Like, huge. I mean, he's 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 as special as they get at the wide receiver position, and and where it hurts them is you know the ripple effect. So yeah, of course he can make plays for them and do all these different things for the offense. But now, what happens too is when the Saints want to play man to man, like Marshawn Lattimore is going to bump down to Chris Godwin and cover him. So now there's one less, even one less favorable matchup for the Bucks, you know, to find an open receiver or get open versus man-to-man coverage, whatever that may be. And that's going to make things tougher on on their offense too. So, um, yeah, I'm very intrigued by this game. I want to see how Brady looks. I want to see if they can protect him in the pass game to throw the ball down the field. Well, and that's the thing. It's one thing to to protect him long enough to get rid of the football to his first read that he realizes is going to be open before the snap. But in the no-risk-it-no-biscuit, throw-the-ball-down-the-field Buccaneers offense, you need some time. Yeah. You need some blocking. And uh, and and that's – at this age, Brady's biggest concern is his legs, not his arms. Right. I've heard that time and again, and I think it's absolutely right. And the more he gets hit low, the more he's going to get hurt. He's got to get away from – the or the the more the chance he's going to get hurt, he's got to get away from that pressure and get rid of the football, and and that's the question you've been raising, and we're going to find out yep. on Sunday whether or not it's going to work. Give me the over under on what moment in the game we see Taysom Hill throw a pass for the first time. Ooh. What what quarter and what minute is the over under? I I I think we'll see it in the first quarter. I do. I'm going to say. All right, it won't be the first drive of the game. I think the second drive, the first drive of the game, Sean Payton will have his first 10 or first 15 laid out, and it's going to be surgical, Drew Brees, blah, 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 creative runs, all that. I think the second drive, he comes out and throws the old Taysom Hill curveball and like, okay, so now what are you going to do against this? Because this guy can run and we can outnumber you that way, but he's got a rocket for a right arm too, so you better watch out. I, I say it's pretty early on. Let's make it third play of the second drive. Okay. Third play of the second drive. That's when we predict we're going to, I like by that. then, right. or at that moment, see the first Taysom Hill pass. Yeah. All right. We're going to see the first Cam Newton pass probably a lot earlier than the third play of the second drive for the New England Patriots when the Miami Dolphins come to town. How different do you think this New England offense is going to look with Cam Newton under center? Uh, I mean, I think there'll be a considerable difference, definitely. You know, Just the way the team's built. You know, I think we've seen over the last few years the the the, the Patriots were 
have been trying to – they've gotten away from let's spread the field out and let Brady just find five eligibles and he'll be surgical with decisions and really accurate throws. You know, the last few years really into that Rams Super Bowl win, they became a little bit more of a we want to run the football. We want to run play action passes and strike down the field and do that a little bit more. And, you know, I think you're going to just see – a ton of different varieties of way to, ways to do that with Cam Newton. He'll be in the shotgun. I think you might see some Kansas City movement before the snap and everything like this. And that's where I look at this with Brian Flores, his eyes, Mike. And yeah, he's got familiarity with New England, but not this New England. So I think this is an advantage Patriots here because if you're a defensive coach for the Dolphins right now, you're going – I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, I'll look at some old Cam Newton film in Carolina and try to piece some things together that I know about the New England Patriots, but you're really in the dark about how they're going to attack, and I think that gives Cam Newton and the Patriots a, a significant advantage in this game. I'm going to paraphrase from a text message I received back in late June, early July uh, in order to protect my source, but at the same time to convey the message. Yeah, Josh has a good system that he developed in Denver when he had Tim Tebow, and they used it when Tebow had to play after McDaniels was gone. It makes it hard to defend quarterback run stuff, opens up the passing game, but what makes it really tough is the quarterback isn't put in harm's way if it's blocked right, which could make Cam scary. Yes. That's the offense that McDaniels designed in Denver that he never got to use for Tebow, and all due respect to Tebow, Tebow is no Cam Newton. No, he is not. And uh, I'm, that's why I'm excited about it. I mean, Josh in New England, first off, a lot of these plays have been in the playbook like we talked about when they first signed Cam Newton. They're in the playbook, but they were in page 225 or page 195. Now they've been moved up to be, hey, this is in the first 50 pages of the book now. We, we couldn't do some of this with Brady, and you can do it. Um, but Yes, I would think that they're going to have a very well thought out plan of attack, a lot of moving parts, and they're, they're, there's nobody better at figuring out how to protect your quarterback than the New England Patriots. I mean, it's part of the reason Tom Brady's still playing at 20, you know, 20 years into the, his career, because man, in the first 10 years of his career, he, he never got hit. I mean, it, it's, they're unbelievable that way. And yes, with Cam's ability to push the ball down the field, that could be scary. And, Mike, you know, the point you said on the text, too, this is what Cam Newton does. He simplifies defenses, and that's scary to me with New England because you there's so many things you have to worry about. You just can't play crazy exotic defenses because they might some run some crazy exotic offensive play. And if you call something to the left and they got something going to the right, Watch out. You know, it could just open up like part the Red Sea. And uh, I think that's what you got to be worried about if you're the Dolphins here in this first game. And, you know, there's a certain amount of and I never know when the word irony is appropriate. So I try to never use it. Thank you very much, Alanis Morissette. But <laughs> there's a coincidence. That's always the safer alternative. It was 12 years ago when the Dolphins, desperate to do anything on offense, pulled the Wildcat system literally out of their butt, Joe Boo, and completely mesmerized, literally, yes. Matt Casey, <laughs> and, and, uh, <laughs> and mesmerized a Patriots defense who at the time had a young assistant working for it by the name of Brian Flores. And you just have to wonder what he's expecting this Cam Newton thing to be. And is he going back studying Tim Tebow film 
during that magical 2011 run with the Denver Broncos and using that as his template for preparing his defense for this game. I, I I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, he came from New England, and New England's you know scours the scorched earth for anything they can find to figure out what a team's going to do. If that means they got to fly over to like Spain and lift up a rock to find a player or a new play, <laughs> they'll send a scout over there. And go, hey, we heard there's a rock over in Spain that's got a new play in it. Go find it. And so I'm sure Brian Flores is going to look at every which angle in which he can be attacked, uh, definitely, and do it. Do do his due diligence there, but. I still think there's going to be things that will be thrown at him that he will not be able to prepare for. And, you know, ironic, irony, you know, it's a traffic jam when you're already late. It's a no smoking <laughs> sign on your cigarette break. Okay? Got it? <laughs> it's 10,000 spoons when all you need is a knife. Right. Um, it's ironic. Which is definitely not irony. That's the problem. That, that, that song has destroyed my us. entire ability to process what is and isn't irony. And maybe that in and of itself, is irony. Uh, the Colts and the Jaguars get together in Jacksonville. Phillip Rivers wearing the horseshoe on his head instead of up his butt, as you would say. Uh, boy, this has taken a turn over the last yeah, couple of Yeah, you've had anyway, a lot of butt Colts jokes and the Jaguars. Here. Yeah, Phillip Rivers, um, <laughs> look, I still cannot remove from my brain the seared-in memory of seven interceptions in a back-to-back primetime effort yeah. by Rivers last year. And I, that's one of the reasons why I didn't make the Colts one of my best bets on our Mega Picks podcast yesterday. Colts giving eight. I almost, and I think you went with the Colts to cover the eight. I just, until I see Phillip Rivers play and play better than he did in those back-to-back primetime games, I'm going to reserve judgment. Yeah, I, I understand that. I mean, really, other than two years ago when the, che- when the Chargers were 12-4, and four, right, and ended up having to be a wild-card team, that's really the only year in recent history where we feel like, okay, Phillip Rivers, you know, was safe there. You know, even the years before that, the year or two before that, he was, there was certainly moments of carelessness with the football. Hopefully he changes. Hopefully he realizes you don't, I don't have to be like this with the Indianapolis Colts. You know, their defense is good, but more importantly, they got everything on offense. And that offensive line is real, and he shouldn't be under the pressure that he always was with the Chargers in the pocket to where, you know, hopefully he doesn't force things or feel like he has to be Superman all the time. Offensive line, running game, pretty good tight end play, and some young up-and-comers that I'm really excited to see in Michael Pittman Jr. and Jonathan Taylor, their second-round picks. Uh, I'm I'm very excited about the potential of what the Colts can be uh, I think Rivers is an upgrade from Jacoby Brissett, and Frank Reich is a very good game planner, one of the best in the game for my money. Some very quiet defiance from the Jaguars, Gardner Minshew, et cetera. I, look, of all the games that could be one of those lightning strike, holy crap, what were we right about, what were we wrong about games, it would be if the Jaguars beat the Colts straight up. I don't think anybody expects that one to no. happen. This is probably choice number one in the the you know that pool where you you, you pick a team every week and you get to use them once. And uh, well, uh, Cole, I th- I'd be yeah, stunned right. if the Jaguars pull this one off. And we're going to have to view I them would... very differently. Even if they keep it close, we're going to have to view them differently. Yep. All right. There's a new quarterback in Cincinnati. Even though he's not changing NFL teams, he's changing levels. And he was the first overall pick. And he's a captain for the Cincinnati Bengals, and his name is Joe Burrow, and we saw from him last year one of the greatest quarterback seasons in college football history and a night and day difference from what he was in 2018 for LSU. 
What do we expect from him against a team like the Chargers when it's Joey Bosa meets Joe Burrow? Yeah, this is, you know, this is not exactly the team you want to face off of, you know, face off against in your first game ever, you know, preseason, regular season, whatever it is. This Chargers defense is talented. And just like we talk about with any good defense, they're a defense that can just rush four and consistently drop seven into coverage, to which can be very frustrating for a young quarterback who is used to making a lot of plays, especially down the field in the pass game. So he better be very patient here. I'm very excited about the Bengals and some of that weaponry they have. I mean, Joe Mixon, one of the best running backs in football, and that receiving core, I mean, I know you and I feel the same way. It's kind of exciting on paper. It's going to be about can they stay healthy. So I expect throughout the year the, the Bengals to be a fun, exciting offensive football team. Uh, I just don't know if that starts off this week against this unit who's played together, you know, even without Derwin James. It's a lot like what we talked about last hour when it comes to the Chiefs and the Texans. The Texans, if they had opened with the Jaguars and blown out Jacksonville, we'd be saying, hey, all right, the Texans are on their way. It's the luck of the draw. It's the way the schedule is configured and the Bengals getting a tougher week one matchup than they could have otherwise had. So that's going to be a factor in all this. And that's going to be part of the challenge of picking up the pieces and moving on after week one. Half the teams are going to lose. Half the teams are going to win barring ties and the teams that lose need to to pivot and forget about it and move on That's to the right. next game. All right, we're going to move on to the next game on the docket. Raiders and Panthers getting together in Carolina. It's Teddy Bridgewater moving in the NFC South from the Saints to the Panthers and Matt Rule moving from Baylor to Carolina. What do we expect from Teddy Bridgewater as the unquestioned starter for the first time since the end of the 2015 season well we know he's going to execute the offense he's not going to make mistakes that's what we know but I I think with Carolina in a rebuild mode he's going to have to do more than that if they want to win football games so he's going to have to be maybe more aggressive than he's ever been as a starting quarterback in the NFL and I think the exciting thing about that is you know, they got some weapons that excite you. When you talk about, of course, Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, uh, one of the better receivers in football that's just jumping on the scene. You know, they got Robbie Anderson from the Jets. He can fly and be a deep threat. Curtis Samuel there. So uh, I'm hoping he'll let it go. I'm not expecting a lot from the Carolina Panthers as a football team. I mean, I would be shocked if the Raiders don't go in there and and beat Carolina you know, somewhat, I don't want to say convincingly, but you just feel like, hey, they're the best team on the field. There was no question about that. I'm actually more excited to see Derek Carr and Henry Ruggs and some of the new offensive guys for the Raiders than I am for Carolina. No disrespect to Carolina. It's just year three of John Gruden, the questions of Derek Carr, all those things. I'm more intrigued by that aspect of this game than anything. And even though it's not literally a new quarterback for the Oakland Raiders, now the Las Vegas Raiders, it's a new city and hopefully a new attitude for Car. That's what I think Gruden has been trying to do, pushing buttons, hoping that Carr's reaction to external criticism and maybe internal lack of unconditional love and faith will eventually piss him off to the point where he goes out and he grabs the job yeah. and takes over the way that Gruden wants his quarterback to do it. And I think that's why they spent $7.5 million on Marcus Mariota. Mariota is the beneficiary unintended of the effort to get more out of Derek Carr. Mm. And even though Mariota's on IR now, I think it was enough of a threat 
especially early in camp, yeah. that maybe it's going to light that fire, Chris, and we're going to see, a di- even though he's not with a new team, it's going to be a new guy. I hope and so. And that's what Gruden desperately wants, right? Yeah, yeah that's right, I, and I hope so. Yeah, Gruden wants a guy that's just going to take over the damn team, take over the offense, and when he calls a bad play, he's going to go, damn, I got a quarterback that saves me a lot now when I make a bad play call. And Derek Carr's got the ability to do that. We've talked about it. He can move in the pocket and create, and he's a phenomenal thrower of the football. It's not like he's got a rocket right arm, but he's got a really good right arm. And like I just talked about with Teddy Bridgewater, to me, he just got to let it go this year. Be aggressive. Make plays. Don't worry about throwing for 70%. I hope he throws for 65% because that'll tell me he's being more aggressive and they're more of a dangerous offense. And uh, I'm rooting for Derek Carr in a lot of ways. I I know what he's dealing with. I know the guy he's got to deal with out there. Well, it's kind of like the guy I have to deal with four days a week and for the (laughs) rare occasion on a Friday because we had Monday off. All right, we're not going to take the rest of Friday off. We're going to keep going after the break. The other Sunday games not involving new quarterbacks with different teams. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. You know what? I don't know about... about our squad you know I think the beauty is that there's a lot of conversation about other teams you know whether it's Tom and Tampa um, or the teams that were really solid last year with you know New Orleans and San Francisco you know and Seattle and Philadelphia and Dallas with Mike and what they've done to their roster I like where we're at as far as kind of flying under the radar even though we went 13 and 3 last year so we got a chance to, you know, to prove uh, what kind of team we are starting the season now uh, on Sunday, and I look forward to the opportunity. Don't be too proud of that 13-3, and oh, Aaron Rodgers. You got your butt kicked twice by the San Francisco 49ers, including in the playoffs. How that dare you? He whooped three. the crap out of your Vikings twice last year. Eat that, Florio. Don't you talk about my Aaron Rodgers like that. But 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 don't act like thirteen and three is some point of pride. You failed to deliver on the promise and potential of thirteen and three. And I think the thirteen and three was I don't want to say fraudulent. Yeah. But it it, it, it was the fraudulent. Team wasn't as good as thirteen and three would suggest. When you hear thirteen and three, you think dominance, not got dominated twice by the 49ers. No. And I, and listen, I picked them to beat the 49ers. I had 49ers fans all over me the week of that game. I went back and I studied the film like you and Ron Jaworski, uh, which explains why maybe I shouldn't, of the Sunday night game between the 49ers and the Packers. And, And it's like, it's one play here. It's one play there. It's a bad read here. It's a bad read there. They iron up a few things and they're going to be fine. They're going to be competitive. And maybe the 49ers are thinking, oh, it's going to be easy again. And you can catch them early. And you no, they just got steamrolled right out of the building. They did. They got steamrolled. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, again, you have fraudulent, you know, fraudulent. That's maybe not the word. But I get what you're saying. I think it's real what you're saying. Fraudulent definitely is not no, the word. No, it's not. I know fraudulent, that's not. I'll agree with you, is not the word. <laughs> but I, 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 it was one of the least impressive 13-3 and three teams that we ever saw, I think. At least that's how I feel about it. Now, it was the first year under a new head coach and a new system and all that. They had a few new moving parts, too. So there is something to build on. But, yeah, when you look at their, their games last year, I mean, really, it's actually quite astonishing for a team that's 13-3. and three. I mean, they only beat two playoff teams the whole year. 
and that was the Vikings and the Chiefs without Patrick Mahomes. So they kind of feasted on the week, and the schedule fell the right way. Either way, I still think they're the best team in the NFC North. You know, I think we're pissed off because they didn't get a receiver or maybe another defensive tackle or something like that to where we go, that would have helped the team. But uh, I expect with the changes your Vikings have on defense, you know, no Daniil Hunter that and no crowd on that surface and everything. I, I think Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay will handle Minnesota uh, come Sunday. Sorry, buddy. Well, I, and look, it is what it is. It's yeah. the first game of the season. It's a game the Vikings need. To, and this is, we talked about this on our Mega Picks podcast yesterday. The Buffalo Bills, vulnerable at home against the Jets. Sean McDermott, one of the two head coaches, to speak out against this idea of fans in some stadiums and fans not in others because he wants his fans present. And I think Mike Zimmer, the other coach, feeling the same way. He's spoken out about the competitive disadvantage because he's salty that he can't have fans present. And it's going to be a factor. I still think the Vikings have enough. Uh, be, and and I'm, I'm holding it against the Packers because they've consciously taken a step backward so that they can compete on the same field as the 49ers. So this is part of the price you pay for taking a step backward. You go on the road to face Minnesota and you don't beat them. Now, if they, if they can take a step back and still win the division, that is a damn good team. I just don't think they're ready to do it. They haven't done enough to, ha to get the help that they need for Aaron Rodgers. And I think the Vikings defense still good enough to, to slow down Aaron Rodgers. And the offense still has enough to outscore the Packers. And uh, that game, I, I can't remember the final score of the, the, the game in Minnesota last year. But I, I think the Vikings can do enough to get it done. Yeah, I, I, I certainly wouldn't be shocked. I, I, I know that. But I just feel like, yeah, you know. Rodgers chip on his shoulder, and I still think they're a better football team than Minnesota. They'll find a way, but it, you're right. It's a divisional game, and don't forget, Dom Capers is over there in Minnesota to add some new wrinkles to that defense. I'm excited to see that. Now, it's interesting. Dom Capers came from Green Bay. That was his last place he was at, so Aaron Rodgers is going to have a good feel for what Dom Capers likes to do, but nonetheless, that's still something to watch but out Capers for. Capers is going to have a good feel for him. Yeah, right? that's right. It cuts both exactly. ways. No doubt. No doubt. All right, next game on the docket for Sunday, Bears-Lions. Mitchell Trubisky, is this the best possible week one op opponent for Trubisky as he tries to reestablish himself? Chris? Well, probably played his best game of the year last year, late in the year, against the Detroit Lions. Uh, so from that standpoint, that builds a little confidence. Um, Detroit's defense should be improved, but yeah, it stunk last year, and they were not good at covering receivers or defending the pass game. So... You know, when you look at it that way and you still look at the Bears, they got some receivers that can get open. My big thing with the Bears and Trubisky and Matt Nagy is what's your identity? What are you going to be on offense? Because last year I have no freaking clue what you were. I don't know. So they need to find something to go, hey, we're really good at this. And we're going to have a lot of ways to do this. And then, of course, as we talk about all the time, that forces defense to adjust. And now, oh, they have to stop this. And now we have a curveball to do that. And now you're in trouble. They have never had that. And I'm just, that's what I got to see from the Bears. Meanwhile, Matthew Stafford, healthy and back for the Lions. A lot of pressure on Matt Patricia and company to Definitely. turn it around and get a different result than what we've seen, oh, I don't know, for the past 60 years, at a minimum for the past 29 years since the last time the Lions won a playoff game in 1991. And, yes, it has been that long for the Lions uh, for winning a game in the postseason. Seahawks and Falcons get together in Atlanta. Actually, it it's – 
a disadvantage for the Seahawks because the last time they played the Falcons in Atlanta, the place was overrun by Seahawks fans. Now no one will be there. Uh, the, the, the Seahawks, a trendy Super Bowl pick. Someone on this program has them winning the Super Bowl or at least going to it. Going I can't remember it. whether yep. you have them winning go. it. Not being the and, Chiefs. And the, <laughs> and the Falcons, that's right, I forgot. You've already, you've already planted your flag in the Chiefs back-to-back, and you <laughs> feel even more strongly after last night. Falcons, a team that finished 6-2 and two last year, and, uh, you know, they're a team that, that some, including me, can see getting to the playoffs. What do you see in this one? Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I, I think you, you're not crazy for thinking that. This is a very talented football team. I mean, when you take the starting 22, you go, ooh, the Falcons are good. It's just, is there depth behind it? We've seen the injuries hurt the football team. But, man, like familiarity between the coaching staffs. I mean, Dan Quinn came from Seattle. There's some personalness to this game. They both like to play a similar style. I'm with, you know, I, I hear you. Atlanta is a scary football team. They really are. I don't know how to feel. This is a very coin flip type of game to me. Uh, it is. I'm going with like, I just feel like Russell Wilson and Seattle will be able to find the motivation, the intensity to pull it out. But I think it'll be a very close game. I, I of course, would not be shocked if Atlanta won. I mean, this really is a, a coin flip to me. Yeah, and it, it is a testament to where the Falcons really should be regarded. They're in a division where they are third fiddle at best behind the Saints and the Buccaneers. And uh, the Falcons, I think, have an opportunity to, to, to throw a wrench into that presumption that it's going to come down to the two of those teams to win the division. And the Seahawks, a team that has every capability to win the NFC West. And look, you got to go to Atlanta, you play a game, you got eight road games, you're going to lose a certain number of road games. The question is, how are you going to do at home? And especially for the Seahawks, if they don't have fans there, are they still going to be as dominant at home this year, which could be a real factor yeah. for the Seahawks? But they have the talent, they have the ability and uh, it, it should be a close game. And that's one where I think the Falcons are going to win. I saw, I saw something yesterday where a huge percentage of the action is being placed on the Seahawks giving two points in that game. A, a ridiculous percentage of the action, which, uh, which makes me feel even better about my thought that the Falcons are going to win it straight up. Because I think sometimes the, the, uh, the odds makers like, like to dupe someone with a little tease like that, like minus two, like, oh, that's oh, well, the Seahawks will easily cover. Maybe they won't. Yeah, we. I mean, and I think it's the Russell Wilson factor. I think, you know, Seattle's on the radar for, ooh, they could be one of those teams that comes out of the NFC, and Atlanta's been underwhelming the last two years, which leads people to probably jump on that Seattle bandwagon. A scary game. It could go either way in this one. Cardinals 49ers. Now, look, we've got a better Arizona offense with DeAndre Hopkins and improved Kyler Murray, but the defense is the question for Arizona and the the San Francisco offense clearly uh very very effective Chris uh look the, the Cardinals handled the pressure of facing the 49ers last year they played them tough they weren't able to beat them I don't know that they've done enough to close the gap though because the 49ers are still the 49ers no I, I agreed I think they are significantly a better team on paper and and just where they are as a franchise right now I'm excited about Arizona I do think Arizona you know, has a little bit of an advantage in the fact that I think Cliff Kingsbury is still finding his way in the NFL, probably still imp implementing new things to put in his offense to where San Francisco might be like, oh, this caught us, caught us off guard. But I'll do like, we made some videos the other day, but with, you know, our, you know, football night in America crew. And, you know, I'll hit on something Rodney said. 
Yeah, I still think when you just talk about the 49ers, the big question is going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. There's no doubt about that. And that's just something we got to continue to watch over and see where he's at. Is his confidence shaken from last year? Can he capitalize on some of the good things he did from last year and build on it and become better and everything like that? I'm very excited to see where he's at in his confidence level and his play and to see if he was affected by Super Bowl loss, Brady talk, and all that kind of stuff. I was tempted to pick the Cardinals to win that game. I ultimately went with the 49ers. And what we saw last night makes me feel better about it yeah. because I could see a similar idea. Cardinals are in preseason. 49ers are in regular season. Right. And I feel like that's how it's going to play out. And, and, and I don't know. See, part of it is I, I'm, I want the Cardinals to be good this year. I yeah. want to be right about my feeling they're going to be good, but I'm not going to be crazy and, and actually predict that they're going to go to Santa Clara and beat the 49ers right out of the gates. All right, Cowboys-Rams opening the new stadium with no fans present in Inglewood. Mike McCarthy leading the Cowboys. Sean McVay already reinventing himself in year four. What do you think? Well, I, I'm, I'm – uh, I mean, Sunday night football, that stadium looks cool. The Cowboys super talented, you know, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I want to see Mike McCarthy and what he's going to infuse into this offense just from, you know, to add with the Kellen Moore package and everything like that. And the Rams are one of those teams I look at that I feel like people are sleeping on a little bit. I do. You know, again, yeah, you said it, Sean McVay, we think he's going to reinvent himself. Everything I've heard, there's just going to be more to the offense, right? It's not always going to be three receivers, one tight end, one running back, you know, fake the speed sweep or give the speed sweep and do all those different things off of it. I think you're going to see a little bit more of a variety this year. That's just what I've been told, and I would think that's the right approach. I think the NFL caught on to that little scheme and system he had there with the 11 personnel speed sweeps and everything like that. They got some special difference makers on the defensive side of the ball. We'll see about running back and everything. I don't know, Mike. I'm crazy. I'm going with the Rams in this one. You know, just the fact that it's Sean McVay, the pace in which they play, I think that could catch Dallas off guard. And I just feel like the Rams are kind of flying under the radar. I'm going to ride with them. It's amazing to think a team that was in the Super Bowl two seasons ago would be flying under the radar. Yeah, but they right. earned their spot by missing the playoffs last year. Yeah. And, there, and, and there's so much turnover, and, and big-name players are gone. And there's this just nagging sense that they haven't quite figured out how to properly give out money to the players who deserve it. Of all the contracts they've, they've handed out in recent years, Aaron Donald's the only one that's worked out, and that's the one they were most stubborn about. Remember, he had to yeah, hold out twice, right. and it was right before the start of his fifth season that they finally paid – the best defensive player in all of football. I like the Cowboys in this one, though. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just buying into the hype, but I think that offensively they're going to be very hard to stop this year. All right, yeah. Eagles at the Washington football team. Ron Rivera begins. He missed practice this week getting cancer treatment, uh, but you know he's going to be ready to go, and he's a, he's a very a calming presence on the sideline. He's anything but calm in the locker room if you watched All or Nothing on Amazon when it focused on the Panthers. But I think this is exactly the coach – this team needs. Yep. And uh, I don't know if they're ready to beat the Eagles. Right. Assuming the Eagles have enough healthy players ready to play. Yeah. Uh, that That's the, uh, yeah, here we are talking about the Eagles banged up again. So you, you certainly question that. And it's, it's already looking like, Hey, Carson Wentz, you might not have a lot of great weapons to throw to get ready to carry the squad on that side of the ball. Um, I still got to take the Eagles. There's no doubt about that. You know, Washington's one of those teams that I think we, we're, we're talking about. Unproven commodities, new coaching staff, a lot of new players on the defensive side of the ball. 
You got a new offensive coordinator with a rookie, you know, basically what amounts to a rookie raw quarterback in his second year. So I, I think like Washington can be a pain in the butt because of that defense, that front four, like great Scott's Batman, watch out for them. But ultimately, I just think the Eagles are, you know, a better football team, battle tested, got a little more depth altogether, and they'll find a way to win kind of an ugly football game. Yeah, I agree with you. And it was week one last year when the Eagles were regarded as being dramatically better than Washington, that Washington kept it close until Carson Wentz and Deshaun Jackson connected on a couple of long touchdowns. Yeah, right. And that was that. And the Eagles got the win. And Jackson barely played the rest of the year after that. Browns Ravens last year. The Browns won week four in Baltimore. It's the last time the Ravens lost a regular season game. I, I have a feeling this time around the Browns are not going to catch the Ravens napping, Chris. I, I wouldn't think so. I mean, the Ravens seem to be a team that's, you know, pissed off from last year, chip on their shoulder, feel like they let that get away with how they played in that divisional playoff game. And they better not be asleep on the Browns. You and I have looked and talked about the Browns a lot. I mean, the players, the roster is the real deal. It is loaded with good football players. But again, it's new system, new defensive staff, all those moving parts against this Baltimore Ravens proven commodity, already the most talented roster in all of football. I think the Browns could be a pain in the butt and keep this game close, but ultimately I'm going with the Ravens. I'm not going to pick against them in this one. I'm going like 24-21 Ravens. Yeah, I agree with you completely on that. I mean, the Ravens, that's a close one, but I, th I th the Ravens have to reestablish themselves, and that's going to be the challenge for John Harbaugh and company, forgetting about 14-2, and two, forgetting about how the season ended with disappointment and getting off on the right foot. Because if you start 0-1 after going 14-2 and two last year, guys get nervous very, very quickly. But remember, they were 2-2 two and two last year before they found the gas pedal and, uh, and won 12 in a row, carrying it into the postseason. All right, Jets and Bills, last game of the day on Sunday to talk about the Bills are a team that has that, that vibe, that shine, that expectation, and the Jets are a team that continue to be pounded by this notion that they stink, and I think the truth for both is more in the middle than at the extremes we've been led to believe. Probably. I expect the Jets to be, you know, a physical, better football team for sure. Now, who on the offensive side is going to step up and be legitimate, consistent weapons? That that's my question. Le'Veon Bell, can they? Can he get back the magic? Can they find ways to infuse him in the offense? The receiver position certainly a question. Like, yeah, Jamison Crowder, great in the slot. He's going to get a lot of catches, but who's going to be that guy that like can catch a slant and break a tackle and run for forty yards? or beat somebody deep down the field. Denzel Mims has pulled hamstrings. Can Brashad Perryman do it? I don't know. We'll see. But have only seen him do it one year in his career. Everything's the same in Buffalo. Awesome roster, except they got Stefan Diggs now. And I just think McDermott is one of those like drill sergeants that is all over his guys and everything about it. I'm going to pick them to win. I don't feel necessarily comfortable about this. I think Gase and Greg Williams are very good game planners. And Greg Williams is given Brian Dayball some issues as far as what he does uh, in that matchup. So I'm picking the Bills, but not as confidently as you would think as far as what the records ended up last year. You know, it's funny. I went with the Jets when we did this yesterday on the joint PFTPM Chris Sims Unbuttoned podcast. Not that kind of joint, Chris. But uh, I, Friday. I, I, I'd probably change my mind today 
after seeing the game last night, Chiefs-Texans. And, and that doesn't mean what happened last night is going to be universal, but we saw what happens when you have the continuity. Yeah. And you face a team that doesn't have the same continuity. That doesn't mean the Jets are guaranteed to lose. I still think they're closer in talent than the average fan would Agreed. believe or be led to believe based upon what media says. And I think the Jets have a chance. And and I think they're going to get lucky. They were up 16 nothing last year at home against the Bills week one before it all fell apart. Maybe this time around they'll get a 16 nothing lead and they'll hold it. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we return, we're going to do a draft of the week one pressure cooker but a reminder you can get all of our picks straight up and against the spread with some over-unders and best bets our first best bet for the week pushed last night we both had the over on so that's the Texas tie it's Chiefs. not a loss it's a tie it's not a loss we'll be back with more right after this Tonight, it's Game 3, Tampa Bay Lightning and New York Islanders. The Lightning lead 2 to nothing. Islanders trying to avoid falling into a 3-0 hole. Although, if I recall correctly, back in the 70s, they were down 3-0 to the Penguins and came back and won. So, maybe it's good to be 3-0. Dallas leads 2-1 to uh, in the series between the Stars and the Golden Knights. So, tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern on USA, you will see Game 3 of Islanders-Tampa Bay Lightning. All right, Chris, all day Sunday and Sunday night and Monday night with a doubleheader. We've got football. 15 more games in week one. Pressure cooker draft, a Friday tradition here on PFT Live. Looks like there's no trivia questions. So because you're working on a Friday, because I know how difficult that is for you generally, I will give you the first pick. Thank you, friend. You are so nice. I really appreciate that. It's a good one. I mean, this is because uh, you can hit pressure in a lot of different angles here. I think the obvious one I got to go with is a quarterback at Chicago, Mitchell Trubisky. Yes. I mean, everybody's going to be looking at him to see how he plays. What did he do to win the job from Nick Foles, who's a Super Bowl MVP and they traded for and I think we all expect, or at least I did. I think you expected it with me for him to be the starting quarterback. And then we know the Lions defense stunk last year. So you also add that in and you think, oh, they, they should be able to move the ball and do some things on the offensive side of the ball. So Mitchell Trubisky, to me, is probably the guy that jumps out more than anyone. Yeah, I think you're right because he's got the most to lose, his job. And will he be looking over his shoulder? Will he be getting nervous about a mistake here, a mistake there, a bad read here, an interception there, a bad throw, whatever? And at some point, whether it's this week, next week, or the week after, is he laying the foundation to eventually be replaced by Nick Foles, the guy they spent a lot of money on and gave up a draft pick to get in the offseason. So I agree with you on that one. For me, though, it's a guy who hasn't played football in 52 weeks because the season started a week later than it would have because Labor Day was as late as it could have been. We should be getting ready for week two this weekend. And last year when we went into week two, it was Seahawks at Steelers and it was Ben Roethlisberger's elbow going and he was gone for the rest of the year. There is pressure on him, not job pressure. He's not getting benched for Mason Rudolph or Josh Dobbs, but to the extent that Ben is coming back with a very high bar, and he has said he intends to win Lombardi's with an S. He wants multiple championships. He's got two in his career. He wants more than one over whatever's left in it. Well, the pressure's on Ben to deliver on the expectations that I think most football people who pay close attention have. Casual fan may think, eh. The, the people in the media who follow it closely look at the Steelers this year and say this team should be good. 
and it's on Ben Roethlisberger. And it's not just will he get back to being able to perform like he did after 52 weeks of not doing it, but was that elbow the first body part in a chain reaction of guy who's closing in on 40 who's had the crap kicked out of him over the course of his career? Yeah, I I hope not. You know, I hope not because I want to see Big Ben play some football. I do. I love watching him play. I love the way he hangs in there and throws the ball down the field and so aggressive. And they just got so many studs on their football team, especially on the defense where, you, you know, I think you and I look at it and we just go, man, just, you know, an average offense or slightly above average. And this team could be in the Super Bowl conversation. So I'm with you. I'm rooting for Big Ben. I always think he is underrated as a player on the field because of some of what his life has been off the field, people that hold that against him. And, you know, to me, I try to separate them, and I think he's a phenomenal football player. All right. Ooh, well, I, I guess. Oh, baby. Yeah. How could I not pick Tom Brady? I mean, yes, he's under pressure. He hammers he he at Arians. I, I don't know. You're right. It? It's a good question. It is a good question. You're right because Bruce Arians is under a lot of pressure too. It's, that's a good one. I'll take Brady since I spit that out first. But I do think you're right to add him into that conversation. Maybe I should have done that. But, yeah, Brady, hey, he made a big move. He left the Patriots. You know, He's got the weapons around him now. We're all expecting all these big things, and I don't think any of us expect anything bad especially with the talent around them. So the expectations are very high for a guy that's gone to a new team that hasn't won in a long, long time, which is kind of crazy. And I, but I get it. I get it. There's a lot of talent on the roster to like and everything about it. Um, so I'll go with, with you know Tom Brady, the new-look Bucks, and then going to go play the New Orleans Saints is not going to be easy. Yeah, and, and Bruce Arians has pressure because we've Definitely. seen what Tom Brady can do with Bill Belichick for 20 years. And plenty of the coaches out there resent Bill Belichick. And, you know, they think the Patriots cheat because that's a better explanation than he just kicks our asses Definitely. every time that's what it is. we try to play him. Right. And so Arians now, hey, look, here's apples to apples. This is the guy that, that Bill Belichick has taken to six Super Bowl championships. The difference, though, is last year he wasn't quite the same. So... I don't think it's as much pressure on Bruce Arians. I tend to agree with you that that Brady wanted this, right? Be careful what you wish for, Tommy, because now you have a new team, and let's go see what you can do against a a, a division rival that really is a rival, not a cupcake that you feast on twice a year. And case in point, Brady is an underdog going into a regular season game for the first time in a very long time. All right, I am going to go to Cleveland. Yeah. Baker Mayfield. Yeah, that's who I was in. I was tossing it up with the last pick. Yep. Well, and 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 this is very simple. Other than Tony Dungy somehow landing with a job that already had Peyton Manning there, it's not very often that a coaching job becomes open with a great quarterback. Now, Mike McCarthy had it this year with Dak Prescott, but usually. There's an issue with the quarterback that causes the team to be bad enough for the coach to be fired. And with Baker Mayfield, even though he was great in 2018, last year he regressed. And every coach, unless he has a clear-cut franchise quarterback, at some point wants his own guy. And who does Kevin Stefanski sign first order of business in free agency? He gets Case Keenum. They're one year together in Minnesota. It was special. They They have as their shared experience... 
the Minneapolis miracle for crying out loud. That's part of their personal history. And so if Baker doesn't straighten up and fly right, as my dad always used to tell me to do, and after about 25 years it took, then then uh, th- there's an alternative. It's not quite as glaring as Baker Mayfield and Nick, or as, as Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles, but it's there, Chris. And if Mayfield doesn't step up, it's something that I think by the time we get to Halloween, it's some it's something that's going to at least be discussed and at a minimum pondered by Stefanski. I I I hear you, Mike. I do. I uh, it, it's it's a big year for Baker Mayfield. I I don't want to say it's do or die or anything like that, but it certainly is big enough to I go. This could affect his future as far as how he's looked at or man. If he plays really bad, it's going to really have to rebuild himself and the way he's perceived around football. Yeah, it was loose and bad decisions and bad throws last year, all of it. I mean, there was issues there. And this is going to be a different approach. And not that they have to win in week one, but I think we all just want to see, can Baker play good, consistent football? Which guy? Yes. Which guy? Exactly. And the problem is the – the 2019 Baker went to Baltimore and won. I, right. It's, it's it's crazy. And a big part of that was Nick Chubb. And hopefully Kevin Stefanski can do that maybe to run the ball and take the pressure off of Baker. But I'm with you. Uh, that's a scary situation. And you're right. With Keenum's history there, uh, th- that would scare me if I'm Baker, where if you falter and you're two and four, watch out. Because that, that could be a change that's made. All right. Um, I think I'll have to go Jimmy G here. Uh-huh. Yeah, got to do it. I left it for you. Yeah, I got to do it. Well, it just come on. There's some. There's so much talk about him all offseason, whether it's getting replaced by Brady, the throws he missed in the Super Bowl, the th- yards he left out there, the way the playoffs really just unfolded in front of us made us kind of go back to the re-question conversation of Jimmy Garoppolo. Got the Cardinals. We expect them to beat the, the Arizona Cardinals this weekend, but... I think we're all going to be looking at it to go, okay, what's the guy we're going to see this year? Was he affected by last year? Has he gotten better? Or do they still have to manage the offense the same way as they always did? So we'll see. All right, last pick for me, and I was saving this one. I knew you would leave it for me because I love him. I love him not. (laughs) Here we go. I love him not. Hey, (laughs) is there not pressure? Right, because what was the narrative last year after they beat the Saints? He made the big throw to Adam Thielen in the playoffs, and it's like, hey, Kirk is different now. He's won a big game. He's fixed. He's fine. Well, guess what? Big game coming. The only good news is it's not a night game. Uh, And let's see if Kirk can stand up with Aaron Rodgers. You've already picked them to lose. I know. The pressure's on. Can the Vikings hold serve? All right. We will be back with you on Monday, 7 a.m. Eastern on Peacock. Oh, by the way, we'll be on NBCSN, 9 a.m. Eastern on Monday, just for one day while the Tour de France continues all day on Peacock. Dan Patrick, Rich Eisen, brother from another in PFTPM at 5 p.m. Eastern on Monday. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the games. We'll see you. See ya. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. 
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.